Live Like You Were Dying is a song by country music singer Tim, Tim McGraw, which came out back in 2004. It eventually went to number one and won the Grammy Award that year as the best country song of the year. The song tells the story of a man in his early 40s who gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. When the man is later asked about what he did in response to hearing this bad news about his physical health, he answers first by listing three things that he did, which were obviously on his bucket list. He says, I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Then he says these things, which are far more important. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness that I'd been denying. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't, and I became a friend a friend would like to have. I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. And then he ends with the classic line, Someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Live like you were dying. That, I believe, is the Lord's message to us in this gospel parable we just heard from Matthew 25. The Lord says to us, make sure you live like you were dying. In other words, make sure you live your life with an awareness that someday it's going to end. That you'll be called upon, as the Bible says, to render an account for what you did and for what you did not do during your time on planet Earth. That will be an experience we all have. Notice that all the virgins in this story were invited to the wedding feast, just like all the people of the world are invited to the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb of God in heaven. But only five had oil in their lamps. Only five were ready to meet the bridegroom when he arrived. Now the oil in this parable can be seen as a symbol, can be seen as a symbol of sanctifying grace, the grace that Jesus won for us by his passion, death, and resurrection, the grace that makes us pleasing to God, the grace that we need to have in our souls if we want to pass through the pearly gates of heaven. No sanctifying grace, no eternal life with God. And the analogy holds given the fact that in the story, the oil was not transferable. That's a very important detail of the parable. The wise virgins were not able to share their oil with the foolish ones. Each of them was personally responsible for the condition of her own lamp. And that's the way it is with our souls. As Professor William Barclay put it in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, there are certain things we must win or acquire for ourselves. We cannot borrow them from others. This is why confession is so important. We receive sanctifying grace into our souls for the first time when we're baptized. But we can lose that grace through mortal sin. The ordinary way to get it back is through the sacrament of reconciliation. So when was the last time you went to confession? Hopefully we'll all get there at least once before Christmas. Now, what I really like about Tim McGraw's song is that it indicates that the main character, this man in his early 40s with a terminal illness, has lived a better and more fulfilled life since his diagnosis. That's why he says, someday I hope you too get the chance to live like you were dying. 
He's not wishing evil on us there. What he's doing is expressing a hope for us, the hope that we will experience the same kind of transformation in our lives that he's experienced in his. From all that he says in the song, it's very clear this guy has been transformed. He's been transformed in his relationships with other people. He says, and I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness that I'd been denying. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't, and I became a friend a friend would like to have. He's also been transformed in his relationship with God since I finally read the good book. He's even been transformed with respect to his sins and failings. He says, I took a good, hard, long look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. The implication there is that he would do some things differently in his life. His terminal illness has made him aware of his own mortality, and that's a good thing. Hopefully I've indicated already in this homily. It's a good thing because, my brothers and sisters, it's reality. The letter to the Hebrews tells us very clearly we do not have on this earth a lasting city. That's a fact. Life is short, all too short. If you don't believe me, just ask an elderly person. Father Ray, I celebrated my 95th birthday last week. Where did the years go? I've had many people say that kind of thing to me over the years. But we can easily fall into the trap of thinking we do have a lasting city here. And that way of thinking can lead us to ignore God and delay our repentance for our sins and have the wrong set of priorities in this life, like the man in the song did before his diagnosis. The great saints, praise God, never fell into that trap. They avoided it. They avoided it because of how they looked at life, how they looked at reality. In this regard, there's a wonderful painting of St. Francis of Assisi by Caravaggio, the Italian artist of the 16th century. I'm sure many of you have seen it. The title of the painting is St. Francis in Prayer. And it shows the saint kneeling prayerfully with his attention riveted on the object that he's holding in his hand. And what is that object that he's holding? A crucifix? Nope. A Bible? No. It's a skull. A human skull. St. Francis is holding a human skull gently, you might even say lovingly, in his hands as he prayers, prays and meditates. Which is not surprising because apparently he did have a skull in his possession. And he sometimes would bring it to him to breakfast so that his fellow friars could meditate on it too, whether they wanted to or not at that early hour of the morning. And St. Francis was not unusual among the saints of the church. Many of them, believe it or not, kept skulls in their bedrooms or on their desks which is why you often see them in portraits of canonized saints. There'd be a skull off in the corner somewhere. So why did they do this? Were they obsessed with death? No, quite oppositely, they were obsessed with life, eternal life, the eternal life that Jesus died on that cross and rose from the dead to give them. They didn't want to miss out on that life for anything. They didn't want to be like those five foolish virgins in this parable. So they kept this symbol of death around, a human skull. They kept it around to remind them that they needed to be ready 
You need to be ready for the moment of death always, since as Jesus says here, none of us knows the day or the hour when the Lord will come for us. And in the process of doing this, these holy men and women lived fulfilled and joyful, albeit sometimes difficult, lives. They lived like they were dying, even when they were in good physical health. And because of that, they now live forever in a place where there is no death. A place where we will also someday be if we follow their example.